Welcome to The Friday Habit with Benjamin Manley and Mark Labriola II. The Friday Habit is for creators, entrepreneurs, and agency owners looking for actionable ideas on how to grow their business and be more profitable. We'll pull from our combined knowledge of over 20 years and interview thought leaders that will inspire you and give you the motivation you need to kick your business into high gear. Buckle up. It's Friday. Hey, hey, it's Friday. <laughs> How's it going, Mark? Excited. Good, Ben. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. Like here in Virginia, it's fall weather started. It's like oh, yeah. 68 degrees outside and sunny, and I'm just like so happy fall is here. Some of the people on our team, uh, I was just talking to Savannah, and she's like, oh, man, summer's over. I'm like, fall's here. Where do you, where do you fall, Mark? Where are you at on the, the oh, seasons? Fall is number one for sure. I got married in the fall. My wife and I love the fall. Colorado has four seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, fall is one of them and the leaves change color and pumpkin spice lattes. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. I mean, that's really the best thing. <laughs> well, Hey, I'm excited for our guest today. We're going to be talking about, um, finances and, and kids and all sorts of great stuff. Uh, we got Chad Willardson on welcome to the Friday. Have hey, a chat. Chad, how's it going? Hey, thank you. Thanks, Mark and Ben. Good to be here. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, what, what is your favorite uh, season? As you can see by the Aloha shirt, the <laughs> Aloha Friday shirt here, Celebrate Friday. Uh, we pretty much live in endless summer in Southern California. So I I don't really, I, I travel to see other seasons. I travel to yeah. see the seasons. So. Yeah, it's, it's always beautiful and, and uh, sunny where you're yeah. at. I mean, it's it's probably. I mean, we're at the end of September, and it's 85 in Newport Beach right now. So it's it's not cooling down yet. We'll see what happens in a month or so. Oh my gosh! So I mean, don't you ever get tired? Like, see, this is my thought: is that like I associate certain holidays with like weather changes, for and so sure. Chris, for, for so sure. Christmas, is it just like nice and sunny? Usually it is. It's it's. <laughs> I know it's kind of weird. We we travel to like snow ski and and see the mountains, but most of the time you get a lot of sunny days. It'll be cool once in a while. You get like a sixty five degree, and you're like, oh yeah, it's it's fall and winter right now. But it's a lot of sunshine for sure. It's not for everyone. <laughs> you know, perfect weather. It's not for yeah, everybody. It's not. People like seasons. So. To each his own. Well, hey, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a quick introduction of you so that we can give our audience a little bit of of your uh, background. So Chad, who is on the podcast with us today, is the president of Pacific Capital, a fiduciary wealth advisory firm he founded in 2011 that serves entrepreneurs and families. Uh, his best-selling first book, Stress-Free Money, has been featured in Forbes. 21 books to read in 2021 and on NBC News and Yahoo Finance. Chad has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, uh, U.S. News and World Report, Investment News, Entrepreneur and Financial Advisor Magazine. He lives, as he just said, in Southern California with his wife, Amber, and their five children. Crazy. Let's go making babies. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We celebrate uh, Fridays here. We celebrate Fridays. <laughs> that's right. Every day is Friday. See, you're living every day like it's Friday. <laughs> that's right. Every day is a Friday in the summer to me. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. Well, Chad, thank you so much for, for being on, on the show. You know, um, 
finances is definitely a big topic uh, for small business owners, entrepreneurs, um, um, solopreneurs. And so, you know, when I saw um, your uh, press kit kind of come across my desk, I thought, oh, this would be a great conversation. And one of the things that I'm really curious about um, is with five children, it seems like you've written some books around talking to children about money. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to, for you to kind of give us a brief overview of how things have been for you, uh, you know, since writing Stress-Free Money. Sure. I'll even back up before that, if that's all right, Mark. Yeah. I, uh, so I spent nine years in the corporate world. I was working at a big Wall Street bank. I was at Merrill Lynch. Straight out of college, I got my econ degree. I went to work for the big Wall Street bank and was doing the investments and wealth management thing. And I just didn't fit in. I, I hmm. just felt like there was this this basically like a tug of war between what does the big corporation want to do to benefit the corporation and what is best for my clients personally. Hmm. And that tug of war was always just, it, it got more intense after the big great recession in 08 to where it was like, man, I really have to make a decision on where I'm going to take my future. And I felt like I got to take this leap. I got to become an entrepreneur. And I was not the kid who had, you know, five businesses in high school and was always an entrepreneur. That was not <laughs> me, actually. Uh, so it was a big, it was a big jump. I was 32. I had a couple kids by then. We had a mortgage and it was like, I'm leaving this big, cushy, Mm -hmm. corporate perks, corner office. By, by that time, I had reached the top 2% in the country of 17,000 Merrill Lynch advisors. Wow. And so even my parents were really... <laughs> what are you doing, What are idiot? you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Like, are you, you sure? Made it. <laughs> you are exactly where you dreamed to be, and now you're really going to just, like, leave? Are you sure about this? And so mm -hmm. it was a scary leap. Uh, but we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And and we are more than triple the size of the business that I was running in charge of that I had you know, built at Merrill Lynch. So it's been awesome. I just had to get that background. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fantastic. And I think, you know, a lot of us are curious of the origin story of how someone kind of you know, becomes an entrepreneur, how they start. Because I think a lot of people, you know, they're working a job and they're afraid of the unknown, right? Yes. And there's so many yes. things that are unknown of, you know, how am I going to have health insurance or how am I going to, um, you know, get consistent paychecks, like all these other kind of things. And so I think, you know, I'm curious as far as, was there some sort of moment in what you were doing where you're like, man, you know what, I think I could do this better. And I think, I'm going to just kind of bet on myself. I, I thought I could do it better with the clients. And, and mm -hmm. I knew I could. There were things that I wanted to help people with that I wasn't even allowed to talk about because it wouldn't be profitable for the mm. for the big bank. And so my, my moral conflict was a little bit like, I want to do what's best for these people. I, that's what I love is helping people and entrepreneurs like reach new levels. And so if I'm, uh -huh. if I'm kind of constrained and restricted, then I got to, I got to break out of this cage. So I didn't right. think through all the little signing leases and buying equipment and doing payroll. Yeah. Cause I had never done any of that. And it was, that was definitely like a wake up call. It was a lot more than I expected, yeah. but you know, I, it's worked out to be the greatest decision I could have made. 
Yeah. Well, I, I think that's awesome. I, I love, you know, in your in your bio there, it's like a fiduciary, right? Yeah. And I think there's a difference between like a financial advisor and a fiduciary because as a fiduciary, your your responsibility is to make sure that things are best for me as the individual, not what's best for the, your bottom line or the company. Yes. And less than 4% of financial advisors are fiduciaries, true independent fiduciaries. Tony Robbins talks about that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like fake fiduciaries who kind of claim to be, but they got one foot in this pool and one foot in this pool. And they're still working with a broker, broker dealer. So we're totally independent. And it's it's kind of like a, it's a big leap of faith for us. But the clients really appreciate that independence and that transparency. They, they really like that. So, yeah, I, I have a fiduciary of financial advisor for that exact reason. And it makes such a big difference. Yeah. And yeah, just if people don't want to explain the difference or don't understand the difference, it's basically one, one type of financial advisor is working for usually an insurance company maybe, or something like that. And they're primarily selling a product, but they're also giving you financial advice along the way. But like you're saying, sometimes that conflicts with what's best for the client because there might be an option you're like, hey, you should actually put your money here, but it doesn't make any money for the company. Whereas in your situation, you're independent, you know, in theory, like no conflicts of interest. So you can suggest yeah. the correct path for them. Why do you think it is that there are not that many fiduciaries? I'm just kind of curious. Do you think it's because you pretty much have to be independent? Like, or is it more profitable to be, you know, in sales or wh- what would you say? It's a great question. And by the way, Ben, you described it perfectly. Was oh, really good. good. Okay. I did a good job. Uh, All right. Yes. Yes. And not everyone does. So it's interesting because this is the crazy thing that I don't think people realize is years ago in the 2010 to 2018, there was a big push in our industry from the fiduciary side to force all financial advisors in the country to actually abide by the fiduciary standard. But the Wall Street banks and insurance companies paid tens of millions of dollars to lobby to block it. Like, if you think about that, it's crazy. It's like they were paying tens of millions to make sure they didn't have to put the client first in their advice and guidance. And I, people just like gloss over that or they don't know about it. But I think it's it's difficult for most because, frankly, it's expensive. You can't do it. You, you can't do what I'm doing here unless you have a big enough business to afford it because we're not doing the we don't, there's I can't earn commissions. There's no commissions for me. It's a slow, very slow growth in many cases path versus an advisor who works with an insurance company or a brokerage firm, and they can make a huge commission quickly. It's just easier to keep the lights on. And so you can't really make that jump until you have some stability. Uh, fortunately, we were able to build that a long time ago. So I, I've... Yeah. I don't know. You could do it. You're just going to get paid quicker and paid a lot more if you don't go this path. Right. And it's, it's more the long game. Yeah, yeah. This is the long yeah. game. This is the, yeah. this is the eat your vegetables and exercise game for 30 years. And in the end, we're going to compare who chose the right path, you know, while they're out chasing transactions and selling and pressuring people into doing stuff. Cause you can make a quick buck that way. We're, we're building long-term relationships which in the long run, in my opinion, that's what I'd rather have. Yeah. Well, hey, um, so you, you've you recently written a new book. What was your first book called? Yeah, so this is the first book, Stress-Free Money. 
So stress-free money is overcome these seven obstacles to find financial freedom. So this is a great book for entrepreneurs. It really talks about, doesn't matter your income level. Like I've had clients give it to their kids who are like in college or straight out of college. It's really about like the money mindsets yeah. of, of stress-free money, how to really get your mindset straight to be really smart with your money. The second book that just came out recently is called Smart Not Spoiled. And that is the seven money skills kids must master before leaving the nest. So that's really like how to teach and prepare the next generation to be smart, not spoiled with money. Yeah, I so I, I really like this idea. You know, I have three children. Ben has two kids. Oh, nice. And, um, you know, I grew up uh, really poor and, and um, you know, have experienced a lot of different, you know, hardships in life. And, uh, but have, you know, climbed my way out uh, and uh, have lived a very successful, um, you know, life and my kids have never really wanted for anything. And I keep thinking of like, ah, man, like how do I help them not be spoiled and not, you know, have a perspective about money and, you know, trying to teach them about compound interest and, um, and, and just different things like that. This is the perfect book, Mark. This is right for you. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I would love for you to maybe, um, well, one, why did you write this book? I mean, were you kind of finding that you were talking to your own kids in a certain way or thinking like, man, there's not really a lot of resources to teach kids about finances? All of the above. Raising my five kids and being a financial expert, I felt this need from a very young age that like I... If my kids don't know anything about money, then we're in big trouble because I'm supposedly the one of the national experts on personal finance and wealth management, and my kids are going to grow up and, and then have to learn it on their own. That's crazy to me. So it was like <laughs> I started teaching them when they were very little a lot about money and business, both my daughters and my sons, and I'll make that point. we got to include the daughters more. We're, it seems mm. like it's we talk to the, the daughters about nurturing and about other topics, soft topics. And we talked to our sons about money and stocks and business. And I've, tr I've really gone the other route on that. My oldest is a girl. She's almost 17. Um, but we've, inc I've included her in a lot of my business stuff over the last few years. So I just felt the need as a, as a dad and then as a financial coach and someone who's doing stuff out in the public to really give parents a resource. The schools aren't teaching it. That's, no. that's why I wrote the book. The schools are not teaching it. Most parents don't know where to turn. And I felt like if I didn't write it, who's going to write it? There, I didn't see a lot out there. There's a couple things out there, but not, not anything that really blew me away. So, well, so what, at what age do you think you should really start talking to kids about finances and money and stuff? Honestly, uh, you could talk to your kids about money as, as little as three or four or five years old. Uh, simple stuff. Three jars saving, spending, giving, or you're at the grocery store and you're pointing out two things that you're looking at buying. And maybe this is, this is healthier food. So it's cost a little more. And so I'm going to pay it, or these two things are the same and this is less expensive. So I'm going to buy this. Like, I think you just need to start having conversations. The problem is money is a taboo topic in a family. Um, in my book, I cite a study that says parents are more likely and comfortable talking about drugs and sex to their kids than money. Hmm. 
And it's crazy to me. It's like, we need to be better. We need to have that open conversation and not be so like standoffish about the topic because they're going to get out in the world and they're getting credit card solicitations, loan solicitations and financial opportunities or get rich quick ideas. And we're just hoping that they figure it out instead of actually taking some time to prepare them before they leave the house. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense. So let's, let's go through some of these. Sure. Um, you know, what, what are the seven skills that kids should know before adulthood in your professional opinion? <laughs> yes. So the, the seven like principles that I outline in the, in the book, and it's just seven chapters. So number one is invest early and often, and I'll jump back and give a couple thoughts, but number two yeah. is borrow wisely. Number three is know your cash flow. Number four is talking taxes. Number five is learn to earn. That's, that's all about entrepreneurship and value and stuff like that. Number six is protect who and what you care about. And number seven is give generously. Hmm. So if any of those topics stand out, you want, you want me to talk to the listeners about, let any of those pop out. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to go through each one and maybe just talk through, you know, uh, uh, just each one real briefly. So I, I will say this. Each chapter is one of the principles, and it's a lot of personal stories from what my wife and I have done with our kids. Mm-hmm. But it's also a lot of cool stories from friends and clients. I, I really feel like the variety of stories make the book really useful. Mm-hmm. And then I have parent tips in there. And then at the end of every chapter, I have specific activity ideas for you as parents to like even for little kids i have some great ideas where you could pull a five-year-old you know and have a conversation i give you exactly what you should go through a game to play a little lesson so um i've tried to make it as useful as possible it's it's not a you know an analytical content boring kind of book it's really like hey here's some great ideas for you and your family to teach teach about money yeah that's fantastic. I think that's that's awesome and and do, and just desperately needed. Sure. So the the invest early and often. I really, I, I really just talk about the power of compound growth. I talk about planting seeds. I share a story of this amazing conversation that I overheard between a ten year old boy and his father. Maybe I could just share that. But his his the son said this was at a restaurant. He said, Dad. I got a test for you. And he says, would you rather receive $100,000 every day for a month or a penny today that doubles in value every day for one month? Mm-hmm. And if you know it's a riddle and a trick, you'd probably know you should choose the second answer. But that's I right. the dad was a little distracted and he's just like, oh, $100,000 a day, that's over $3 million. I'm taking that. And his the son was like, no, you're wrong, dad. He's like, you could have had over $5 million. Yeah. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? How's it $5 million? And so he pulled a little phone calculator out and he did the math. Uh-huh. And so I included that chart in the book. And it's, it's just reiterating the principle of compound growth. Now, doubling your money every day, of course, that's ridiculous. It's not realistic. But the principle yeah. is you don't realize how much things multiply when you invest and let things grow. Like, it's it's a principle that if kids understand this, and I give ideas, 
entrepreneurs. Yeah, because that, that's one thing I, I'm thinking too. Is like as a kid, or even for my kids, I'm thinking like, well, how can they invest? You know, uh, my, my how old are your son, kids again? I, so I have a 13, 10, oh. and eight year old, and so totally. my 13 year old he he makes some money, you know, babysitting from time to time and, and different things like that. My 10 and eight year old they will you know do a lemonade stand and they get birthday sure. money and other things like that. So. You know, but what, I mean, they can't open up a stock account and start buying some, you know, Apple stocks. Guess what? <laughs> what? <laughs> they can. They can. Here's the thing. Like, uh, for entrepreneurs, you can actually, now you want, you don't want to give your kids free money because we're talking about smart, not spoiled, but you can hire your kids and they can earn some money tax-free for doing work and you could put that directly into a Roth IRA hmm. and help them decide on a few stocks or some mutual funds or something in there just to get their feet wet. I think if kids can experience that, make small mistakes on their own with small amounts of money, then they will be less likely to make big mistakes in their 40s and 50s because they're, they're just getting interested in it. And you could say, you know how we use Disney? You know how we use Amazon? You know how we use Google? You know how we use Nike? Like, You can actually be a part owner in these companies, and I'm going to help you do that you got to put it in a little work, but it's going to be a, a great experience and show them the value of that. So, you know, it's it's something that you can definitely encourage 13 and 10 year old for sure. For yeah. sure you could. Yeah. So that's the first chapter. Do you know what, just out of curiosity, is there like an age limit for paying your kids uh, through your business or like also for the Roth IRA specifically? Because I was actually thinking about that uh, and I was just curious if you knew. It's a great question. I have tons of smart people who work for me that know all that stuff. No, <laughs> so I, I, I always confirm with them. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. I, I get it. I would say like, um, I'm trying to think because my youngest is six. My youngest is six, and mm-hmm. he comes and does little cleanup around the office, and he's mm-hmm. in some of our pictures for marketing so he gets to do some marketing things for the firm oh, nice. he's pictured and stuff so he's six and he gets a little paycheck and that some of that goes into his Roth IRA some of that goes into his college investment account so that's awesome so I know you can do it for a six-year-old so yeah I was gonna say mine are, mine are uh, 11 and 9 so I guess I'm good there to you go. go yeah you're good to go <laughs> yeah we there actually my wife and I have had them start coming in and cleaning every other Friday, like cleaning the office. Cause we're that's honestly, awesome. the rest of the team is too busy. I'm like, Hey, my kids are old enough, nine and 11. They can come do that. So totally. we've been paying, a, paying them a, a little bit for doing that. But now I'm like, maybe I should actually put them on payroll and open a Roth IRA and do it that totally. way. Totally, You should. And here's another thing is in that situation, people are like, well, like I, I don't, I don't necessarily have extra money or I don't want to pay extra money just for the kids to have a bunch of money in their account. Okay, well, what do you pay for that for your kids? Like maybe you pay for summer camps or sports camps or mm-hmm. y- you pay for extracurriculars, right? So if you can pay your kids under $12,000 a year, which right now is like the tax-free limit for kids, you're taking money out of your tax bracket. You're putting it into a tax-free situation mm-hmm. and open up an account for your kid and have them start learn to budget and say, hey, you want to go to amusement park? Um, you want to go to that sports camp? All right, we're going to use your debit card hmm, and we're going to pay out of that account where you earned the money for you know, hmm. doing some work and stuff like that. So you're already paying for your kids' stuff. Why not make it tax advantaged? That's what I would That's say. That's interesting. Well, I never yeah. thought that. All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to the FridayHabit.com. 
there you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs>